Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. If you listen on the Entail app, that's E-N-T-A-L-E, photos, links and videos of what we're talking about will pop up as you listen. Have a look. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Let's dive in. Em, how are you? Oh, well, Annabelle, I'm absolutely fine, but I don't want to go out. I mean, in the evenings, and I don't want to go out at all. And I, in fact, to the point of my behaviour has changed so much that I find the idea of going out in the evening almost like absurd. I would insane. argue that you always did <laughs> and your behaviour hasn't changed that much. You've just sort of sat down into it. Maybe just sent it. Now I think the idea of like, of just sort of, of coming home from work, I mean, obviously, because I'm not coming home from work, but the idea of sort of, yeah, exactly. Of sort of gearing myself up. For I a... don't mind sort of just, you know, schlomping out in a pair of flip-flops to sit in a friend's garden. But the idea of sort of putting on a full face of makeup, trying to make my hair look okay, a tight dress and high heels, <laughs> of being actively uncomfortable in order to somehow impress people and going, that feels like another world. I don't know if I'll ever go back to that. I think that's it for me. I think it's it... going to be orthopedic shoes <laughs> all the way. I know. I think um, it's funny, isn't it? The way that you think, oh God... The, the measures the measures of a kind of successful life are you know wild social life or fun social life as well as you know hard working day hard and now I'm like no actually my measure of success is bed in at nine o'clock with a book or, or, or without <laughs> a book I mean just bed at nine o'clock is crucial I start to panic if it gets later than about ten I managed to finish um, the mirror and the light. Um, it took me two months. It's basically taken the whole of lockdown. And, and I thought, OK, fine, lockdown can end now because I finished it. So and it fine. sort of did. Yes, exactly. But now I still don't want to go out. Anyway, Annabelle, how are you? Ah, I'm absolutely fine. But um, because all the gyms are closed, I've started pathetically running again. <laughs> and because I'm quite stressed and deranged I've also started pathetically smoking again it's a killer combination well it is the combination <laughs> of the running and the smoking means that I'm coughing <laughs> and now's not a good time to be walking down the street with a dry repetitive cough um, I so you'll hear me coughing because I keep coughing uh sorry uh, I, I I think I'm okay but but sorry it's the running and the smoking I I think um, the cough thing is funny because even if you've got if you've got a tickly cough now as soon as you cough you go tickly cough tickly cough yeah. like, like happy tears happy when you look insane you know so the running is a is is a good daily practice I suppose when there's not daily smoking is a bad hourly practice um but we were talking weren't we about um daily practices that we all think about you know that that it's somehow you do things every day so it develops a muscle and it makes you it makes you good at stuff which is empowering and it could be um you know meditation but you know but 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 sometimes we have found during lockdown, haven't we, that we don't necessarily practice what the gurus and experts and mentors and life coaches and shrinks and uh, and, and 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 admirable friends tell us to. Don't no, you think, in yeah? fact, you might even say that we practice the opposite. Yes, we've got a bit wonky with our daily practices. <laughs> yes, exactly. So instead of a gratitude list, it's an ingratitude list. An ingratitude <laughs> list. What would be on that? So so you know, some days you can be really thankful, right? And you're sort of Maria von Trappish as far as your kind of joy at the universe and what it's bringing you and other days it's a bit more what you expect me to be grateful for this weather for this nightmare for your 
parents calling you? <laughs> and then for me, um, I have been working the muscle on my spirit practice. <laughs> what kind of spirit is that, Annabelle? Well, it's for when a mantra is not enough to hold back the red mist. And if I, I, I try spiritual practice, but my glass is still half empty. So, um, uh, so I half fill it with la vodka. <laughs> la vodka will make you feel a lot better. C'est bien. Uh, it's not nothing, la vodka, let's face no. it. <laughs> um, I feel like also I've been practising the art of mediation. Me- rather and you, than... and you, you really, really, really emphatically don't mean meditation, do and you? And I definitely don't mean meditation. So instead of relaxing and finding a moment of mindful stillness in your brain instead it's a mediation between all the mad bits like a conversation ah, like so you identify all the like crazy cats running around your brain exactly so i'm basically going hey, welcome them in for a cat fight yeah, hopefully it's not cancer oh god no it was all right that you you know what ate 25 biscuits in a row bankruptcy no problem <laughs> exactly we're relaxed we're all having a conversation in your brain it's fine totally normal oh uh, well um well, well and well, soothing soothing well it's sort of soothing um in a sort of frenzy and collapse sort of way um, <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I, I would i'll go on from mediation to what i would call manifestering <laughs> the art of manifestering there's my next book um and manifestering a magical thing um you know i mean manifesting i suppose is picture the life you want to and it shall be yours. You know, if you read The Secret, uh, then, that, then that's the way you'll be thinking. <laughs> but but manifesting. So this is the art of um, obsessing about things you don't have and, and, and wondering angrily why nothing you do is working. <laughs> um, like the dry patches on my skin. So instead of a visualisation, you could have vicious-ialisation. <laughs> I'm pushing it a bit there. Oh, where like the that. corrosive envy takes over and strips you of all kindness and sanity. I know, you start thinking like, why don't I have a pool? Why don't I have a fucking pool or a dressing room for fuck's sake? (laughs) Exactly. Why don't I have a basement with a huge cinema so I can not watch Netflix series? Yes, I can never use it. (laughs) Exactly. Why don't I have an air-conditioned gym so I can never use that? Why don't I have a private jet so I can jet off to wherever and get away from all All these these places you're not allowed to go? Exactly. Yeah, it's really good. In fact, I would say that that was almost instead of a positive mental attitude, it's a positively mental attitude. Positively mental. You know, and I think some days you are absolutely fine and you're sailing through and you're thinking, you know, life is is hectic but manageable, hard but, you know, but you're coping and then you are totally floored by whether it's the queue outside the supermarket or whether someone is sort of, you know, come too close or standing too far away or whatever it or is. Or the phone the... rings. I mean, pretty much anything. Or Netflix doesn't work. <laughs> exactly. And you're so wildly triggered that you just go positively mental. Yeah, so instead of sailing serenely through your day, you start sailing less serenely towards the asylum. <laughs> Which we are doing mental. anyway. That is basically what's happening. Oh, remember when life was simple. And you know all those things when we were younger, whether we were kids or teenagers or in our 20s, and all the things that we really thought were going to get us in life. <laughs> yeah. You know, the things that, the things that we were that we were terrified. I remember, you know, when we were, so when I was sort of eight, I was convinced that it would be, um, it, it, it would be quicksand that ended <laughs> my life. You know, it, it Quicksand was going to get you. Yeah, you know, you'd be on the beach and and and, 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 and then suddenly you'd step into the quicksand and, and, and slowly it would suck you and suck you and someone would toss you a bit of probably vine. Let's say it's a beach by a jungle, but it was often vine, wasn't it? Um, that they happened to have to hand. But it, but it, but it would be too late and there'd, there'd, be, there'd be a bubble and then a, a dead clawed hand reaching out. 
Do you know, it, there was so much quicksand in our childhood. In 80s movies, it was all about the quicksand. That was absolutely... Can you sleep... Can you, do you have to sleep under the duvet what, without, during a heat wave? Without a limb coming out for the demons to munch on. That one, yeah, exactly. Always under something. Okay, I admire still under. people who are brave enough to expose a hand or, you know... I know. The idea of, um, the idea of like, tossing your duvet off and just lying there, legs akimbo, is just wild, isn't it? I mean, yes. So still scared. I also have to confess that... I used to be frightened of being eaten by sharks in the swimming pool. Do you know what? I have to tell you, sometimes I still am. <laughs> you, they are just possibly coming through the filters and are just waiting to savage you. I just sometimes still, genuinely, actually completely check. seriously, I look at the filter and I think, imagine. Imagine. And then, of course, when we, when we were young women, I mean, I've never sounded more geriatric, <laughs> young women... Then all the magazines when we were young women, all the headlines were the fashion, the style, the shopping pages were all about how to go from day to night, how to go from office to bar. You know, day to night Barbie would, you know, sort of suddenly go from her sort of obscenely fitted plastic suit into some sort of jazzy one-shouldered sequined situation just by, I don't know, flipping it around and tying it in half a knot and doing something clever. But, you know, fortunately, it it, it turns out that, that, that you don't need to do a Wonder Woman and go to a phone box and do something magical to go from, from office to bar. Um, what you, in fact, need to do is just walk. <laughs> um, I mean, seriously, I, I mean, don't even bother redoing your eyeliner. No one gives a fuck. But my God, I really thought that it was going to matter. And I... I never. I would look. I look. I'd be like, will those earrings do it? <gasps> will it work? I know. Forget being threatened with sexual assault or you know the pay gap, ladies. Let's just worry about whether or not our outfit is well enough for the bar. Maybe that's where we went wrong. <laughs> Maybe that's why we find ourselves where we are today. <laughs> oh dear! I know it's alarming, isn't it? I was also always, I was always worried about eating an apple seed, and having a tree growing in my stomach. <laughs> oh just you know you just think oh god if you eat the pits that's it you'll turn into a human plant and I always wondered what was going to grow out of my ears and then maybe you'll be eaten other people would eat you yeah it's sexy (laughs) nibbling on your branches um and then um life would be full of constant map reading remember parents parents constantly fighting in the car and me like constantly failing at anything I had to do which was even vaguely orienteering or anything involving a compass or which way is north you know, what even is north why can't north just be wouldn't it make more sense if north was just a direction that I am facing it's straight ahead <laughs> you know and how, how can my mother sitting in the front of the car look at that page of wiggly lines and make any sense of it and how is it possible that I won't just end up in like the, the, the scary wilderness drowning in quicksand every time I leave the house I mean who knew that ways would be born <laughs> It is extraordinary to think that there's so many generations that will never have to look at a map. Yes. And as a result, I mean, I can't find my way anywhere now without a phone. I've got no, no memory for routes. I used to have that pigeon homing instinct. Now, no, fuck. Do you find that sometimes you put, you put the Google Maps on to go home, even though you actually know how to go? Like, like if I was driving from you to me, I might even... I mean, probably not quite, but the instinct is to put in your postcode and just go. Listen to my silence. No, I'm not that bad yet. <laughs> not yet. And obviously, that's in the post, but, but, but not yet. The idea of, of negotiating a commute now is quite like a proper, you know, because also because, because um, you and I work in all sorts of different places, we would commute to all sorts of different places. And looking at those tube lights and crap, I mean, that's, I, mean I, I, I don't miss that about office life. No, I totally agree. I used to know every single 
like stop on the tube and how to get on your line on my line and and now I would well for a start I just don't I wouldn't want to go I feel like that is something maybe the commute is something that we won't miss about office life but there are things that we do miss the work friends yeah work friends Emily and I are work friends yeah that's how we met work friends see you at your worst and your most defeated and they and there's an immediate loyalty built in because they cover for you they lie for you they stand by you, and they, but they come in all different flavours. My work friends are some of my most precious people through all those miserable offices run by psychopaths over the years. I know. Do you remember when we used to call each other when we had had a big night and we used to call each other and say, I need help. And that I need love. I need love. We'd say, I need love. And yeah. you know what that meant when we hadn't been to bed. Yes, because for a while before Emily stopped drinking completely, you know, we, we, we were drinking friends. You yeah. know? We'd had a shit day because our emails had crashed and everyone was behaving like a dick and... And and we just sort of look at each other and think, well, after work, bit of a debrief, bit of a debrief, just a quickie in a bar that turns into three bottles. And, 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 and you know, usually your drinking work friend has a sort of terrifying constitution, you know, like a battleship. Um, and so you, you're slurring and unconscious and being sick and, 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 and they're still somehow powering on, looking powerful and, and you know they'll be fine at seven the next morning. And you feel that somehow they're magnificent and it's brilliant. I know. As you ne- fall off, <laughs> as you slide off your chair. <laughs> now, there's no, now, now you're just drinking alone, which is a whole yeah. other different set of problems. I know also the people who you could cry in the loo with. I, I, you know, when you've been shouted at and it's not your fault and you've got so much to do and you can't concentrate because you haven't slept. thing when you're a bit more, usually you're a bit more, you you know, you're, you're in your first or second job, it's still got assistant at the end of it and you're shouted at and you have one of those full body flushes that is half fury and half distress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you know, the tears will come, you know, I, I, oh my, you don't want to cry in front of the person who shouted at you. No. And then, so then you've got the, you're crying the loo friend is the person who has a kind of basically should be working for MI6, has a kind of sixth sense for understanding that your expression is about to tip into and kind of slowly guides you into the loo so that you can howl and thrash and they will, you know, refresh your mascara and tell you that you're amazing, which you are. Yeah, yeah. And then then there was the fun. This was like the person I was remembering last night. Do you remember in double physics when you were past notes? Yes. I have never felt the need to laugh uncontrollably like I did when I was... With the, when the laughter was illegal during those like maths and physics and geography lessons. Yeah. I mean, my God, the notes that were passed. And, and, it, and it moved into early jobs. You're the one who would entertain you during meetings. Yeah. So, you know, you'd be in a meeting and also on a conference call and then they'll just sort of, you know, draw a little penis on, <laughs> <laughs> on your copy of the agenda or send you, a, you send you a ridiculous text and it would be such a relief to be reminded that you were a human being when you were trying, you were putting on this sort of corporate powerhouse suit for half an hour. I totally agree. Just being able to just like shift off that, uh, that uh, for a brief second, although it's quite nerve, nerve-wracking, I, I always was really super nervous about losing it. <laughs> so just clenching, holding on to the thing. And then there's also the, well, I mean, you know, the work wife. Yeah. I mean, you're my work wife, which weirdly, I find that sort of almost reductive in terms of how the, I feel about the you. magnificence of the relationship. It is it is almost perfect compatibility, unmarred by incompatible sex drives, complication, conflicting values, competition. <laughs> yeah, just someone you get on spectacularly well with. Yes. I feel like somehow we should marry each other. Well, it is. Do you know, but I think it's incredibly romantic. 
But I think sometimes friendships that you make in adulthood, so after you've left you know, school or university, do have that very romantic luster to them. And I think often it stays. Some of my best friends that I made after I was 21, um, I still feel sort of passionate about. And I'll look at them and I'll think, you're so beautiful and extraordinary. Um, and it's, it's never really gone away, the idea that we're dating for the rest of our lives. No, I completely agree. I think that's wonderful. Also, my, my other favourite work friend is the one who always had sweets. Well, I mean, I, yes. <laughs> although I remember once eating so many sweets that I had an incident. Well, that was <laughs> because, because, you were... Were, that's because you were eating. It was during your extreme dieting phase. So you were still eating an entire packet. But they, I remember this very clearly because you suddenly hunched over like Quasimodo and started limping. But basically, all these things were sugar-free. So they were full of sorbitol, which is quite a vicious laxative was... if consumed in excess. I remember standing between you and Gavandra Hodge, who was on, you might remember, listeners, that she was on the podcast the other day. And just standing there just going, I don't feel well. <laughs> I, remember too. I remember exactly where we were. Yeah, so don't, don't so if you're gonna if you're gonna overdose on sweets, do the fucking full fat kind. Yeah. But um but there is something really reassuring about the person who has this who ha- who can just give you a sweet when you're feeling bad. Not in a creepy some child catch away. Yes, but also, you know, there's similarly the person who has the stain pen, the safety pins, the batteries, the, you know, the, the, the spare, yeah. whatever it might be, the Tampax, just someone who you know. I know, because that's the thing about being all in our own homes is that we are totally reliant on our own resourcefulness. And some days that's just like... Some days we find ourselves wanting. <laughs> some days we are not bare yeah, grills. There was something this situation. so reassuring about the office. What I don't miss... Um, is is so okay? Swear alert, because I can't think of a better way to putting this. Is the fact that that when we did work full time in office, it was a minefield of fucking cunts <laughs> determined to undermine our actual sanity. There's so many cunts. I mean, you know, th- this this might actually have been you, but for me, the hugging cunt. No, but I was the hugging cunt. Well, there so you go. Careful. Is there anything more unnerving than the office hugger <laughs> gliding towards you with their head tilted and their arms outstretched, possibly making a little noise like "oh" as they get closer and closer? You, you're probably trying not to cry anyway about some indignity you've suffered that you're hoping nobody's going to notice. And now the hugger is looming, and you're you're having a panic attack, and you have no choice but to just go floppy and endure the cuddle. I am making a face at this because <laughs> Corona has cut my hugging cuntness off at the legs. How does it feel to not be able to hug everybody? Awful. Mm. I really hate it, actually. Do you? Yeah, I feel, you feel like you've lost something. Yeah, I do. I feel like I've lost something. And I think I wonder whether hugging for me was actually about me, not about the person I was hugging. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it definitely no. gave you a dose of something you needed. Never yeah. gave me a dose of anything I needed. Hey, you miss hugging me. <laughs> I know you do. Anyway, um, the other, the other, the other office cunt is the CCing cunt. We're still very much in operation during lockdown. There's always one compulsive CCer, and that person is paranoid and lazy and I agree that lockdown has made it even more kind of because to they the have rise to, to the surface of how much they're doing because they're quite paranoid about not doing their job well because they're probably quite bad at their job yeah and they have to cover up like mad and 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 I think this person in there's one in every office and it's a, it, that person is dangerous spreads paranoia resentment with all the buck passing and all the managing up and uh but it's funny isn't it how what they do is massively piss you off but also somehow hinder you being able to do yeah. your job yes because you whoosh into a cc vortex and then and then you and and you're lost in it in this sort of 
constant, but I've done this. Oh, it's so annoying. And then you start having fantasy email fights with them where you're sort of brilliantly dynamic yet also withering. Oh, fantasy None of fights. that is conducive to getting everything done and no. being able to have a, a vodka and go to bed at nine. No, it's true. Oh, the chair cunt. <laughs> the chair cunt. In every office across the land, uh, there's one good chair. It's one, it hasn't been sort of cried on, coffeed on, hummused on. <laughs> oh, God, um, fretted on. Exactly. You know, it, it, it might have been, you know, even ergonomically adjusted to your back when there used to be office physiotherapists, you remember, back, back in the days when companies cared about those things. Um, and you sweated blood for that chair. You plotted for that chair. You got that chair. Can you find that fucking chair? No, you can't. No, you can't because some bastard has wheeled it off. They've fucking taken it. In a different it. direction. Do you know, I think one way to, if you ever, if we ever get back into offices again, like messing with people's chairs is really fun though. Yes, exactly. Well, it's someone sitting on them and you just press the lever and it goes, Ooh, and they sink <laughs> down to little mushroom Never height. gets old. Um, there's also the thermostat cunt. Yes. So you are basically in a dance of death with that colleague over the air conditioning. And uh, you sort of think, am I going to actually smash the dial? Yes. So that it turns it my... to your preferred temperature and then smash it so nothing can ever be exactly. done. Rendering yeah, change yeah. impossible. And then um, maybe you'll end up smashing your colleague with, over the head with a hammer if you catch them near it again. But so violently do you feel it? even sexism in office temperatures. I mean, office thermostats are automatically set to two degrees below what is generally comfortable for a woman. That's why we're always putting on cardigans and taking them off and, you know, just sort of trying to make ourselves feel sort of cosy. Um, but it suits a man in a suit. Yeah. Every woman I've ever met has in the summer, uh, ever worked with, has in the summer worn a jumper in the office yes just kept, I always used to keep one on the back of my chair yeah yeah we had an office poncho at one point that just was because... mine <laughs> it was a red hideous um, thing from Topshop that I bought then left in the office went, where's the office poncho someone would cry and then drape it over themselves because we would be freezing and it wasn't because we were hung over and tired and wearing very little clothes it was because a man had set the temperature that is exactly what we what we think um and then uh the kettle cunt <laughs> first thing in the morning you're just desperate Desperate, you get in there and you're just desperate for a cup of something hot. And they boiled one mug's worth of water. And they pretend it's because they're eco and they're saving the planet. It's a lie. It's because it's quicker and they're fuckers. Fuckers. Honestly, I think it's completely, like, unforgivable. I feel like I just, uh, I need a coffee and a Valium to go over it. <laughs> um, yes, and the clock cunt. Yeah, the clock cunt. I mean, there's oh. always one. Sighing as you get up on time to leave the office. And ignoring the fact that you will also be weeping into your laptop at 11pm trying to untangle the current CEC yeah, mangle. because you're always early. Yeah, always early. Endlessly effective, good natures, never wailing at, uh, at HR. And they are just sitting there staring at the clock, sending out so much passive aggression to you that you break out in anxiety hives. Well, this is probably, they're probably, there's a Venn diagram between the clock cunt and the CC cunt. I totally agree. It's probably the same person. Also, possibly morphing into the voice note cunt. Oh my God. Oh my God. What is As if the... you're not deluged with emails 24 hours a day. And there's someone, oh, they, oh they've <laughs> discovered voice notes. It's like proving that they're down with the kids or something. <laughs> you know, how are voice notes, how are voice notes less sociopathic than voicemails? Also, group voice notes, voice notes on WhatsApp. Long ones. Really, really long ones. What the fuck? Fuck it. Do you remember when we tried to do the mid-art on voice notes and then realised really quickly that we couldn't do it? No. Well, I just started sending you voice notes for fun. <laughs> and then you were like, please stop. 
Oh, I realised we couldn't do it because I basically put up an <laughs> impenetrable brick wall and refused to ever like, respond or acknowledge. I'm not going to listen to these. Well, that that makes you the voice note cunt, Em. I know, but I was... Well, I'm I several forgive of these you because you're my work wife and we're going to be together till the to us part. But I'm several of these cunts, I think. I'm definitely the... I'm definitely the hugging cunt. Also the kettle cunt, let's face it. <laughs> You say, she says, I say, is there enough water in there? Passive aggressively, as if it's not enough for me. And she goes, I like to gamble. And I think in only this one particular small area of your life do you like this to gamble. This is absolutely true. Anyway, I'm going to oh go. Oh my God, are we having a row? I, we are. This we better like... go so we can get really aggy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, thank you for listening. Next week, we're going to do a beauty special and I'm going to talk you through some of the amazing stuff I've discovered that sort of vaguely got me through lockdown. So... And I'm just going to ask stupid slash innocent questions about innocent, the Innocent, adorable questions. <laughs> okay. So we will see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middalt. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Drastic times call for drastic pleasures. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.